Hello, everyone. This is Father Michael Tischel. And this is Stradis Papagiorgiou. And we are an imperfect podcast. Perfect podcast. Oh, I just oh. heard another voice. Oh, my goodness. Cue music. We have a, a very special guest with us today. His name is Boyan Teodosovic. Close enough. Teodosievich. Teodosievich. <laughs> hey, you get points for trying. Oh, man. I hope so. I really do. Because otherwise, I'd be a lost soul in, in general. Yes, that is the sole criterion of salvation. Pronouncing of my last name. That hey, is why few are saved. That's close. That's close to uh, some some uh, former heresies, right? The Eunomians. They, uh, yeah, true. They had to know was the name unbegotten, and good to go. Anyway, um, well, welcome, Boyan. Welcome. Thank you for having me for the first time. Yes. And uh, we are we are spanning uh, two continents here. Uh, both uh, Strati and Boyan are in Serbia, and I'm still stuck here in America. <laughs> well, uh, there are different layers to hell, so <laughs> this is true. I'm, I'm in the I'm in the coldest yeah. layer to uh, to uh, reference Dante. I guess I'm in the the last one. Uh, I, I know that they won't end up in the last fall, uh, but because there are tornadoes in that layer, and uh, Lord knows that I would enjoy tornadoes too much for me to go there. So <laughs> wow. I, I, I could go anywhere else, but there, no, I, I would be like stor storm chasing them all, all the time. <laughs> right. You'd be in that cool uh, truck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Well, nice. How, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Not too bad. It's snowing. It's snowing. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, so you so guys it... are in the, the, the last layer there. <laughs> in the cold. It's 70 degrees Fahrenheit here. So it's. Uh, Is that know. warm? I it's don't very know. warm. It's perfect. like, oh, okay. it's probably perfect like 30 weather. something or something like that. It's Celsius. perfect weather, essentially. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. At least somebody has it because. Uh, here, uh, it seems that the weather changes depending on the measures. Like, uh, if they open up cafes, the weather will, uh, like uh, outdoor cafes, weather will be horrific. The split second they close it, it's sunny, it's warm, it's perfect. That's yeah. funny. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, it's just not, not, not how it should be, I guess. But so, Boyan, uh, you know, I, I feel like I know a lot about you and the work that you do um, as far as your, your wonderful work on uh, the Bible Illustrated Project and um, your YouTube channel. Um, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe something that we don't know or uh, something that's less about you and more who you are to, to be cheesy and, and warm and fuzzy? Well, okay. Whenever I drink coffee, I grab the mug on the opposite side uh, of the handle. Why is it so? Nobody knows. Uh, it Are you left-handed? Yes. Oh, that's why. Yeah, yeah I, I messed up. I'm also left-handed. So. Really? Mm -hmm. 
Strati, you can leave the conversation. This is not for you. Yep. This is not for your eyes. He's gone. He just loved well, that, that was easy. Should wow. have done this a minute ago. <laughs> so, uh, well, um, I'm a guy. I live in Serbia. I'm 34 years old. I have to. I have to recount. Uh, I'm slow, slowly entering that age when I uh, when I don't know on the spot how old I am. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm um, in the same boat. I'm oh, also yeah. 34. So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. nice. Strati, you can leave now. When's your birthday? Uh, 10th of November. Uh, okay, I'm. September. I'm a Scorpio. You? Uh, I'm a. I'm a Virgo. Oh. Me too, actually. Oh. You, you're a Virgo Scorpio? No, no, I'm just. A Scorpio. <laughs> uh, whenever somebody asks me what's your sign, I say uh, I say uh, Saint Athanasius of Srem because uh, I was born on his feast day. So. Oh, okay, that's good. I like that. I yeah. Like that. And uh, when I was in Patriarchate of Petch, uh, uh, I saw his sarcophagus and I saw his icon and somebody said, that is his resting place. And they like started, you know, kissing the reliquary of my birthday saint. And somebody says, no, it's just his place. The relics are elsewhere. And I'm like, this, this oh, is man. such a troll. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. As if, as if the, uh, the place isn't sanctified by it. Well, I, I mean, it totally is, but Still, uh, I, I I had hoped that uh, his would relics would actually be, yeah. be there. That's yeah, funny. Well, your dad Strati has a pretty amazing story about about uh, a healing as a child at the tomb of Lazarus, whose relics no, are not the tomb of Saint Spiridon. Oh, Spiridon, that's right. But and his oh. relics are are in Corfu. And yeah, but his relics are in Corfu. I know. Tomb is in Cyprus. Right. Where he was born. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So so he yeah. he had a, a healing at the tomb yeah, at the he, empty tomb. He had a terrible earache and he put it against it and he said he heard chanting like Byzantine music, and he he had his mom check and she couldn't hear anything and his earache went away. Okay, th- th- this is extraordinarily creepy and awesome because I. I I like to say that uh, I'm one of Saint Spiridon's greatest fans because uh, uh, I associate uh, I associate the beginning of my church days with him uh, because uh, I attended my first liturgy the day after I venerated his relics, mm-hmm. uh, and I have had a bit of a miracle. It's a small one, but uh, I mean not as <laughs> majestic as uh, as what Strati has just said. But I'm I'm gonna share anyway because uh, we have an hour to spare. So um, I've been to Corfu, I think, three times by now, maybe even four, I I forget. But anyway, um, uh, as always, I went uh, to the capital, I venerated his relics, and I started uh, going to the bus station. And as I was there, my spiritual father sent me a message, and he said, like... uh, pray urgently there's and then he shared with me some some horrible event that was going on at the time so and i'm like uh, oh they want me to pray by the relics of the spirit yes 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 go 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 so i yes 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 and they go 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 uh i get to the church and um, if any of you has been uh, uh, the church has a small grotto next next to the ecnosis where the huge silver reliquary is kept, and uh, as I entered the uh, as I entered the church, I think they were finishing the vespers or vigil. I, I can't remember which day it was. 
and the line was already dwindling uh, for them to uh, venerate relics. So I stood in the line again. And uh, as I, uh, uh, I'm literally uh, like the last person in line. And they get to the reliquary and I'm like, okay, this is it. I need to do this well. And as I'm about to get to the relics, uh, four monks come and I have the thought, oh no, they're going to close the church now. No, not now. And then suddenly they uh, they enter the grotto, they open the reliquary and then like, please come pray. And then like, oh, this is... This <laughs> I can't wow. even, yeah, uh, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's like the uh, catch-all miracle saint, and uh, th thank God that result, uh, that uh, event that I uh, discussed, I can't, of course, of course, disclose what it was, but over time, uh, it resolved itself perfectly, so thank you, Saint Spiridon. Uh, so I, have I, have a, I, have a, I have a question. Sure. We, we just, uh, you know, you just mentioned when you first started going to church. Yes. So you were uh, you were baptized as a, a child, I assume. Yes. And so, tell, when when exactly did you decide you wanted to take this more seriously? And well, how old were you? Is what I'm getting at. Uh, okay. Uh, it was a sort of a layered process. Uh, when I was uh, a kid, uh, my mom. Uh, uh, my mom wanted to get us uh, all baptized because uh, it is sort of a modern custom at the time, you know, for everyone to get baptized. But ever since I was a kid, uh, I was uh, interested in religion. And uh, there's a story uh, from Bosnia. Uh, the I had a granny aunt there, great aunt. I don't know what's called in English exactly. Yeah, and... Uh, she had this beautiful mosque right across uh, her right across uh, her house. So when I was like I don't know two or three or maybe four I don't know, uh, I kept begging her, Granny, take me to church, take me to church. And she's like, Okay, fine. And she finds the woman who had the key to the mosque, and uh, <laughs> they unlocked the mosque. And they immediately from the door I uh, I went and ran up to. Uh, uh, to those stairs, I don't know what it's called, but it's like uh, that sermon pulpit. Right. <laughs> and I ran, and she's like, "No, no, no, no!" And the woman, "Oh, leave him. He's a kid." <laughs> so, uh, but there was always this interest. But uh, the uh, what kicked it off was me reading this uh, this uh, children's Bible when I was around eight or nine because I li like to read. And this is a book that my uh, mom bought me again when I was really small, and she thought that she would read this to me never happened and she was never really even all that religious but you know she thought that it would be something that would be interesting and they found it and i um i remember that they knew enough about religion uh, i was reading uh, about the crucifixion and i was crying and crying but i had this thought like come on you know what happens <laughs> i mean it's not yeah, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so at, le at least at nine, I knew enough about religion that Christ was uh, crucified and that, that he arose from the dead. Um, and I thought... A, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't uh, feel free. Leave, leave that little comment alone because I think that was a very interesting moment. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but uh, you know, that, the whole idea that uh, you were moved by the crucifixion your heart was moved by the crucifixion, but then your mind said, "I oh, but you know what happens later." Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the 
this yep. there's something significant about the fact that you know retrospectively we understand the completion yep. and the fulfillment of it but yet somehow each frame of the story you could say has its own sort of uh, moment that you enter into and uh true think, yeah i don't again i maybe i'm reading into that your particular story too much oh, but, no uh, no i think you're completely correct i mean uh, i uh, i thought um uh i don't know uh i don't uh, i do not know just how aware the most holy Tocos was of how things will uh develop mm -hmm. from that vantage point i do not know but if she knew about the resurrection beforehand i thought it was something that she experienced something similar except in a much more clean and sin uh, sinless basis because mm -hmm. you know again you know but still your heart is simply torn apart um as a gr as i was uh, growing older um uh, uh, we uh, had a celebration of uh, Saint Sava, who is the first Archbishop of Serbia, and that is generally considered that uh, he's considered the patron saint of Serbian schools and education. Kids generally don't go to school the day they have these uh, pageants where they uh, recite songs or play uh, or have up have plays based on the lives of Saint Sava. We had so, the same thing in Cyprus for the three hierarchs. We, right. We ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it is a similar thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, thank God they were giving out these uh, uh, catechisms written by St. Nikolai of Zsica uh, and Ohrid. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a great little, great little catechism, you know, questions, answers, perfect for my age. I, I think I was like, I don't know, 14, 15, 16. Um, so then I sort of clarified everything about the Christian faith, at least. I mean, as much as you can fit it into a little handbook. Then the internet came, so I started attending internet forums, and uh, finally, when I went uh, to uh, Corfu when I was 17, I believe, uh, uh, I venerated the relics of St. Spirit, and I was like, you know what? This is the time. I will go to the liturgy. I know that it is important. I know what happens, but I never actually went. Yeah. And uh, I have to share that story, uh, that, that story, because I think it's also interesting. It was sort of prophetic. I asked this woman, when's the liturgy? And for example, she said, for example, 9, 9 a.m., but I misheard and they came an hour earlier. So I come and the priest is a boy <laughs> waiting for, I don't know, liturgy. And uh, so uh, he, asked, he asked me, like, in his weak English, like, you helped me, yes? And like, okay, sure. <laughs> and I thought I would help with cleaning or something. No. I'm sorry, where, this was in Greece? Uh, yes, uh, in, uh, oh, what, what's the name of the place? Actually, I'm going, uh, I'm going to uh, open up... Um, the map of Corfu, so mm. I can uh, Google it. Yeah. Cassiope, it's Cassiope. Hmm. Uh, they have a church dedicated, I think, to the Most Holy Theotokos of Cassiope. It is a this sort of darkened, uh, wonder-working icon of the Most Holy Theotokos. And what's interesting in this church, and I think it is a case uh, with a number of um, uh, number of uh, churches there is that uh, it, uh, the Orthodox Church also has a Catholic altar. 
because uh, when the church uh, uh, when the uh, Corfu oh, yeah, was, was occupied right yeah by uh, venetians if i if i yeah. recall correctly and a couple or a number of churches had those side catholic altars for masses and right now it is simply used as a shelf you know because it is are those like shelf like altars no there's probably more you know proper term to it but uh, <laughs> for it's me it's like a shelf. In the, it's in the wall itself you mean like yeah 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 kind yeah. of a niche that, that yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh so um I come there he, uh, and he invites me uh, like behind the Kenosis and I'm like, oh God, no. So uh, I entered there and he shows this cloth. So this your in... first liturgy. First liturgy. You go straight uh, into the altar. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was like small, but still enough to get that, that anxiety. It's, it's, re- it's reminiscent of your visit to the mosque where you went straight up to the, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. I never connected that one. <laughs> <laughs> we have that Cyprus actually. Yeah. What's that? Um, it's the Amvon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. So uh, he shoves that cloth into my face and like, well, and I kiss it, and he's like, yes, yes, yes. He unfolds it, and it's a Stiharian, and he puts it on me, and he seats me at, uh, like on against the Gnosticis from the inside, and like. Oh God, this is the nightmare scenario. Like, you know, whenever people like go uh, to first Orthodox service or liturgy, they, they're they sort of anxious. Oh, somebody will ask me to do something and I won't know what to do. <laughs> this was the, the thing. Ultimate, the, ultimate. the ultimate, the ultimate, like. Uh, so I'm sitting there completely petrified uh, and uh, this priest enters the altar as well. And the priest looks at him, the, the, ser- the main priest, and uh, that priest says, Serbos, Serbos. And they jump, Father, help me. I don't know what to do. Relax, relax. Have you, uh, he- have you ever helped at the liturgy? I never was at the liturgy. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, thankfully, I mean, my whole, uh, my whole purpose was to, uh, you know, f- follow the gospel and the gifts with a candle, which I fail- failed sem- sem- semi-miserably. Uh, but uh, I, people sort of understood, so they were tugging me by the hem uh, of the Stakarian where to go. Uh, and uh, finally, the communion time came, and the Serbian priest, and now it's your time to take communion, but I didn't have my confession uh, ever. Yeah, but did you fast on Wednesday and Friday? No. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't take communion then. And then finally, he showed me how to fold the Stiharian. And uh, as I was saying, by the way, next time, wear long pants to the church. <laughs> I mean, good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I was wearing these like short pants. They were nice enough, but still not nice enough for church, you know, but. <laughs> so, yeah. And like uh, some 22, some uh, no, no. You were 12 years later, I'm a reader. You're so you're what you're saying is you're you were a noob. Yeah, I was uh, I was the ultimate noob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, but uh, and uh, I always uh, I always uh, made up uh, whenever I went to uh, Corfu, I always went to Cassiope. Like uh, for me, it is uh, a little pilgrimage. Like this is the church where I went to my first liturgy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's nice. a big deal. Well, why didn't you go when you were in Serbia? What was the, you know, what was holding you back? Um, 
I, I think it was a simple case of like, uh, you know, anxiety again. Somebody will, will ask me or for whatever reason, it's probably one of those things that you keep putting off forever and ever. Like, for, for example, me cleaning the house of my computer or something. But uh, um, yeah, that was the first time I went and uh, I started attending my parish church immediately as soon as I got back home. Wonderful. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about how you uh, sort of developed this interest in uh, illustrating almost, almost if not the entire Bible at this point. Uh, the entire Bible, the including entire Bible. yeah, including the one hundred and fifty-first Psalm. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the forgotten so Psalm. The forgotten Psalm. Uh, yeah. So what, what what led you to that uh, to that? Uh, endeavor or that that desire i guess even before the the endeavor itself uh well um in 2009 i believe uh, the patriarch of uh, the serbian patriarch paul died uh, and uh, uh, his function until the next patriarch was elected was taken by metropolitan Amphilochus, who has uh, died recently and uh, both of these men are saints true and true and um, there was a sort of a joke going around with Metropolitan and Philokias that the way he would bless seminarians is like, um, your eminence, please bless. The servant of God is being ordained and yeah. so on. <laughs> so go, go straight to ordination. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of people were using this opportunity to, uh, to get ordained uh, because uh, uh, Patriarch Paul was sort of slow to ordain similar to his uh, successor. But uh, Metropolitan Philokias, uh, I know a guy who simply got ordained because uh, um, he approached Metropolitan Philokias and uh, he said, uh, your eminence, I'm a, uh, I'm a deacon. I want to become a priest. You want to become a priest, eh? Okay, give us a homily on today's gospel. And he gives a homily there and then and he's like, Okay, come to liturgy tomorrow and I will ordain you. That, that's oh. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, our, uh, styles, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of something that you would like read in the life of a saint or something. Right. So, uh, uh, I was attending a chapel. Uh, uh, I was attending the chapel of St. John Chrysostom in uh, Serbian, uh, in Belgrade's campus city. And um, the priest there asked me, hey, Metropolitan will come on Sunday. Do you want to become a reader? Sure. What's a reader? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I mean, uh, I think that uh, until that point, I didn't know that there was a, an actual rank of people who actually read the epistles. I mean, um, and uh, I, I simply thought that it was delegated based on who knows how to read well and, uh, you know, has sort of a singy voice. So I started reading on the actual rank and uh, like their job was to uh, read, to teach, to read people the scriptures because everybody was illiterate. And I'm like, okay, so that's not me. I mean, everybody's literate. Uh, it was their, uh, their, uh, it was their uh, uh, task to uh, keep liturgical books. Okay, they're kept. I mean, I can't, what can I do with like 10 books? Uh, I, I can't. 
so I was like, okay, uh, this only gets me a pretty robe, but not even that because again, you would wear it as an altar server. So uh, I was trying to find a way to some uh, to somehow leave that rank, and I was like, maybe I could do something to popularize. Uh, the, the scriptural reading among the Orthodox, because I think that, uh, um, thank God that we have sent their writings, but sometimes uh, I do have a feeling that um, uh, people tend to read these more than the scripture. Sure. And we, we can talk um, on end, uh, what are pros and cons and so on and so forth. I think that uh, people find, uh, for example, the reading of the lives of saints more accessible, and you can be a perfectly valid Christian just with that, you know. But still, I think that uh, you also need to know your scripture. So I started actually uh, drawing it because uh, uh, I actually got an idea. A friend of mine asked me to draw a certain verse, uh, which was, uh, where your heart is, there your treasure, uh, uh, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Th yeah. that's, that's the first verse I did. And then mm -hmm. I simply had a thought, well, let's illustrate the, the whole thing. And uh, 10 mm -hmm. years later and 12 whole chapters complete. <laughs> it's going slow. Uh, say, say it again, 10 years later and, and what chapters complete? And 12 chapters? 12 chapters, uh, because it's going slow. Sometimes I can feel uh, fit a lot of draw, uh, a lot of verses within one single drawing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's only uh, half a verse mm -hmm. uh, or even less. Uh, uh, and a lot of drawings, uh, a lot of drawings are all over the place. I think that uh, approximately I have like, I don't know, 50 complete if I would have assembled them. But uh, because uh, there's maybe like five drawings in this chapter, two there or 20 there, but it's still not complete. Mm -hmm. But I hope to finish it eventually. Yeah, that's a, that's a lifelong project, it sounds like. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, or maybe even a multiple life one. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, the best projects seem to be ones that uh, will will span multiple generations, right? Like the temple and whatnot. Uh, yeah, true. But, you know, uh, there there was an uh, an additional issue that I did not anticipate because, because I was practically forced to draw a lot. And drawing a lot is the best way to improve your drawing. Mm. So after like five years... I really started to hate my old drawings, and um, and uh, I uh, I started redoing some of the old ones. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. So a lot of time went there too because um, when I started out, these drawings were really minimalistic, oftentimes without any background. Like for example, it would simply have. Adam and Eve holding hands, and they were badly drawn, Adam and Eve, but without any, you know, backdrop, which is a shame because there's like a whole heavenly uh, garden behind them. Right. So why not, not, not why not draw a background? Yeah. But I yeah. thought you had said at one point that uh, you enjoyed being able to produce content that was that was uh, varied in quality in the sense of like, sometimes a video will be good. Other times it's not, it's not as polished. And then you, you just kind of leave it all up just to show the, the uh, sort of inherent uh, human, human condition, you know, the imperfection or whatnot. 
well that is true but that is different that is for youtube videos and okay. while, this is more yeah yeah uh while most people know me for the youtube channel i still keep saying that youtube channel is a side project uh, to the biblical drawings because um there's i think only one video i ever wanted to do again and that is uh uh life of an orthodox christian because uh, again while it is i think my my, uh, my second the most popular video on the channel uh it is the one that might get people interested in orthodoxy and i think it deserves better illustrations uh, mm-hmm. I, again i'm simply flabbergasted how well it has done but i think it deserves better you know uh better drawings and everything and i hope to finish it sometime during this year god willing but okay. that's the only one other ones uh, of course there are a lot of mistakes there are a lot of regrets uh there are some mistakes in tollhouse video there are some mistakes uh, um in the calendar video and uh, uh but these are all like little things that do not necessitate i think uh an overhaul so yeah so when did you start the youtube channel uh on august 25th 2017 yes i know the date um yeah i uh (laughs) i remember when i first discovered you i think it was a video about yeah it was a video you were it was when gay i think it was when gay marriage was past in the united mm-hmm. states and and uh and my not to inflate your ego but my father we were playing it we were watching it and he goes oh he must be a theologian like he really, <laughs> you know, he really liked it and then i asked you are you a theologian like no <laughs> so, no no i feel i finished have to, be, though, to have good insight um you know well i simply liked reading a lot of uh you know I want to say theology books, but that um, that can mean a lot of things. But uh, church books, whether it's small books, big books, uh, books of saints, by saints, on saints, lives of saints, and so on. So, like, after doing that for over a decade, uh, you learn some things. But again, I still think that the best, uh, that the best uh, description of a theologian is someone who prays. And um, I think that is what uh, we all know those elderly grannies who uh, maybe do not have their polished knowledge, but man, they do get some whispers from beyond that we are not private to. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. 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 In in, in Athens, Georgia, not Athens, Greece, (laughs) there is... I went there because my spiritual father, my confessor, he um, he's the priest there, Father Anthony Salzman. He wanted me to do this project of his helping with this project of 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 um, getting interviews with parishioners, and uh, and uh, and he posted would post them online, and, and basically why be orthodox? And there was the sweetest, nicest. I don't know. She almost started crying talking about how they light candles on Sunday. I mean, it, it was so nice. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know, you really got, I mean, you know, she wasn't an intellectual, you know, she wasn't, isn't, I'm assuming she's alive. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, it's just, 
just it was she's a beautiful person anyway yeah <laughs> but that's precisely what i'm talking like for example uh, you would expect this homily or something but then you hear um uh, you hear something so beautiful and profound over something that we would call basic <laughs> and then and then you're like you start to understand that maybe you do not understand even the basic stuff you know so uh, the mind's there but uh, the heart which we referenced yeah. previously is not all there or not or maybe not even at all yeah and i think yeah it's all about it not becoming an ideology you know yeah precisely yeah i remember the father thanasius simonobetra um actually uh boyan side well, this is all over the place but you talked recently in your in your podcast about um who wrote the who wrote the um the uh, troparion for yeftich uh, ah uh, yeah well him that oh wow that, nice I, I i met him on mount athos um and but i watched the video of his uh and he uh, like a lecture he gave and 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 in this communist this head of the communist party in greece communist in quotes of course because a greek yeah. communist is a churchgoer but anyway um <laughs> well thank god for that you know <laughs> absolutely no one's complaining so uh you know he went to mount athos and he said oh, i was i'm amazed by what i found up here he's like what do you mean he goes uh well i expected to find a bunch of old men you know who can't you know go to the toilet on their own and i found you know palikaria i found uh, you know gallant young, young, young men. strong yeah right young strong men and you are great ideologues and he goes <laughs> not ideologues <laughs> you know he started explaining to him yeah yeah uh, that's the i think that that's the very interesting thing because a person of the who you know whether it's by choice or by the way they brought were they grew up they assume that the um, an ideology is the path of life you know the the that thought that thoughts are what you know actually i was explaining this last night to somebody that uh that essentially ideas become the deity and yeah. and the deity can be formed in any which way the, your mind perceives it and all this and, and the you know and it keeps changing and changing over time because ideas change and uh but the church doesn't change i mean very yeah. little you know um but so it's been something i've had on my mind lately a lot you know i think that uh, that danger of ideology is exceedingly great especially oh, yeah. with christianity because uh it can change to ideology so quick and there are so many streams out there and sometimes um it is difficult to uh, uh for example in traditionally orthodox countries um pious orthodox folk uh, uh for them it is very easy to differentiate uh between like regular church people then traditionally minded people who do not attend church but like celebrate some big events in the yeah. church and then people who are like uh, well posers fakes you know uh who uh cover themselves with all sorts of uh prayer ropes and icons and cover themselves with uh, orthodox tattoos uh and uh you for example see somebody 
in the Vesco Conversant, he has all of these faulty notions of how it is in the traditional country. And then uh, the traditional country is just a country, you know. There are uh, basically, uh, there's more Orthodox churches, but in the end, it all comes to the heart, you know, and how much we let Christ transfigure us. And it is such an elusive thing. It is... um, it is simply mind-boggling. We cannot envelop it with our mind at all. And um, I think that uh, the sooner we realize that, uh, that God isn't a force, that, uh, and this is what atheists complain about Christianity. All the, well, I prayed and uh, he didn't hear my prayer. Did he have to listen to your prayer? I mean, that that is precisely the thing. And uh, I think that uh, when it comes to like uh, apology and apologetics, uh, I think that uh, it would be a good thing if uh, this this is something that is uh, should be emphasized that God is uh, a person that is uh, three persons, <laughs> but you know that He's not bound to listen to anyone and that He knows best how and when or in what way to. Um, uh, to hear a prayer. I, I told one atheist, like, listen, simply tell God to reveal himself to you. Uh, and he said, well, I did, and he did not reveal, yourself, re- reveal himself to me. And I'm like, yeah, but maybe uh, did it occur to you that maybe right now or right here or whatever isn't the proper time or place or method? I mean, I always like to say, uh, Jews kept seeing all those miracles in the desert, and then uh, and then they they ditched it all for a golden calf. the the first The first opportunity, they were like, hmm, me, "Moses is taking too long." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay, so this is this is all very interesting, and I, I think um, I want to try to put some things together into a question, if you don't mind. Um, of course. So we're talking about the mind and the relationship between the mind and the heart. Um, we're talking about apologetics and presenting the faith in a certain way. We're talking about atheists and their kind of ideological or intellectualizing of, of orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And we're also talking about you, Boyan, and your Bible Illustrated project. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, what interests me is you said, you know, you sort of had this thought or this idea that um, Orthodox, by and large, especially modern day Orthodox maybe, are not um, as keen on reading scripture directly, that they kind of go to the lives of the saints or the writings mm-hmm. of the fathers or whatnot. Um, and as a, as a way of sort of bringing the Bible to them in, a, in an accessible way or something like that, you you had this idea of illustrating it. And like, as you yeah. said, like line by line, these kind of images that that describe the, the, the words and the lines. And so I'm, I'm interested in that impulse because, um, you know, uh, and this kind of gets at this question that we were talking about a little bit before, before we got on, which is um, sort of clothing without replacing the traditional methods of conveying the gospel through, through scripture, through iconography, through all these kind of central means, you could say, without replacing those by any means, 
um, this impulse to try to sort of clothe it in, in unfamiliar garments, you know, especially to a, to a, to an audience that is kind of overly familiar with certain ways of expressing things, you know, Mm -hmm. is that, is that in line with what you were trying to do? Kind of trying to kind of express these familiar, these like very central and important truths that have become a little either too distant or too familiar and therefore distant. Uh, Uh, Do you know what I mean? uh, My concern isn't about uh, uh, too much familiarity. Right, you're saying that people don't even know anything. uh, uh, I think that, um, uh, again, my late spiritual father, Father Dimitri Cosby, uh, he used to have this thing, which I do not think it was by him, but he liked to quote it often. Um, good people don't, do not need to be thought, they need to be reminded, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, uh, uh, which is a great thing. And this is basically the reason why we, uh, why we uh, read, the gosp- uh, read the Bible over and over again, the Gospels and the Epistles, and ultimately why we receive the sacraments over and over again. I'm pretty sure that one communion is completely enough to, t- to get us completely saved, <laughs> but we are no angels. We, uh, we fall, we lose We're the Israelites, grace. As you, as you said. Yeah, yeah. We fall, we stand up, we fall, we stand up, then we fall to our neck, then we stand uh, to the pinnacle. And it's, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it really depends on where we end. But yeah. Uh, I think that there's a huge danger for future generations that, um, I mean, this is something that we already have, but it, uh, I think it will get progressively worse, that uh, we're slowly getting into what they like to call the Twitter generation, mm-hmm. where, uh, the, um, uh, where the attention span is so ridiculously low that um, people... Uh, uh basically won't be able to dedicate their attention for longer time to anything uh and you can see especially th- this with children because children when uh when ma- majority of us were little we were forced to invent our own games our own pastimes now you simply have everything in the phone you simply give a, a, a smartphone to a kid and it, it will watch coco melon or or some other channel or something and uh, it's entertained and it's great mom has now enough time to clean to cook or something it's like it's god sent except it's not really sent by god sure. but uh, you know <laughs> we can <laughs> we can debate on that sure. but uh, uh, i thought that uh, it would be uh, a great danger for future generations that they will look at this hulking book uh, that at least as far as Gospels uh, are uh, are concerned, starts off very problematically. He gave birth to him and he gave, he gave and, and the names are getting prog- progressively, you know, uh, wackier <laughs> as they go, you know, and... I can imagine people like, what's this? You know? Yeah. So uh, uh, I started, uh, uh, that is why I essentially started doing the drawings that maybe, maybe some drawing will get them interested. And maybe a series of drawings will get them interested. Um, 
the idea, uh, sadly, isn't all that original because we have the Brick Testament, which is this, uh, uh, which is this guy making uh, Lego scenes based on individual verses, and these uh, range from humorous to completely blasphemous. You know, mm-hmm. his interpretations by Legos. I did not get the idea from there, but uh, there was some somebody else out there doing something similar to me. But clearly, with not not uh, the best interests of anyone in mind, but simply, you know, to um, have a good time, have a good time at best, or mm-hmm. mock the religion at worst. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So there was there was a perception about um, kind of the um, impact that <laughs> that the advancement in certain technologies was having on the younger generation yeah um that the attention span was decreasing um and that there would be kind of an increased gap between this seemingly arcane <laughs> yeah sacred text and uh their experience and so you you sort of your your project is kind of an attempt to bridge the gap as best as possible uh by the way, uh, that was my initial reasoning. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how right I am in any of these actual claims. Whether it will help somebody, whether oh. this attention span will reduce, I, I, that I do not know. Uh, over time, um, uh, over time, um, it is simply something that I do. Uh, I well, think it is time well spent. So <laughs> Sure. But I, I think that the, the question of an attention is interesting because I think sometimes we think of attention on the level of the will, you know, if I just force myself to pay attention, you know, then it'll be okay. But I think, you know, it seems like attention is more of a function of desire than anything else. Precisely. And and so, you know, the thing with smartphones is that they automatically bypass our kind of um, rational cognitive processing and go straight to our our desiring faculty yeah um and and so you know this yeah there's we're 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 already kind of captive our desire is already captive you could say um no you and we we can't do anything without being entertained yeah we have to be entertained at every moment of the day precisely but i i think i don't think there's something in i don't think so, so this is where I'm, I'm doing my dissertation on, on St. John Chrysostom and uh, this question of pain and pleasure comes up in the sense of, you know, is pleasure inherently wrong? And, and, uh, and I think he, he makes the claim that actually it's, it's part of our being created is, is the desire to experience pleasure. It's just a question of what sort of pleasure and and uh, if it's going to be short-term pleasure that leads to pain or long-term pleasure that that needs a little pain to get there you know yeah um, and right. uh, I think I think that's important because I'm reading this other book called right. uh, identity and experience in the New Testament by this guy named Klaus Berger okay and he talks about the commandments the, the you know the the uh, Christ drawing on Leviticus, the commandment of, of uh, loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
and the idea of of loving your neighbor as yourself. And Chrysostom actually talks about this, that, you know, many of us growing up in the kind of post Kant Kantian world, mm -hmm. um, the philosopher Immanuel Kant, mm -hmm. um, that we have this notion that true love is the denial of ourselves and, and, and ultimately self-sacrifice. But what this, this particular uh, New Testament scholar is saying, and actually Chrysostom agrees with him, maybe he got it from Chrysostom, I don't know, mm -hmm. is that the impulse for self-love is actually a natural human impulse. In other words, to, to, to preserve my life, to, to, you know, the first thing we do when we come out of the womb is to go for our mother's milk. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have this desire to, for pleasure, for, for not only physical sustenance, but we also oh. know that, that, the, uh, that that impulse is not just for physical sustenance, it's also for pacification and for comfort. So, so um, you know, so, so what he's saying is the, the, the love your neighbor as yourself, especially as it, as it was expressed in the Old Testament, was an identification of the natural self-impulse to, to take care of yourself, but then saying, don't just remain with yourself, do the same thing you do for yourself, for your neighbor. True. Uh, and uh, this is something profound because, you know, uh, I don't know how the proverb goes. I, I think even, I think that even when Chrysostom quotes it, something along the lines of, um, uh, grief shared is a grief halved, and the joy shared is uh, joy Good doubled. doubled. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that there's, um, I think that all of us can relate to that. Uh, that even in my darkest moments, uh, at, uh, at least I'm so lucky that uh, I do can count on my family and friends. Some people, sadly, are not in that position. Whether whether they cannot count on their friends or they cannot count on their families or God forbid on a neither. Sure. Uh, but, um, uh, but I think that uh, there's also one aspect of this uh, pleasure worship of today uh, is, is, uh, is not only that we are so addicted to pleasure, but that it is malicious, uh, maliciously manipulated. Uh, mm -hmm. You have mentioned right. the phone notifications and while I do believe that initially it was there purely for informative purposes, and uh, for example, I know that uh, Facebook like button was put there simply so it would, you know, uh, so people wouldn't write uh, comments like, wow, great, wow, great, wow, great. So it was simply put there uh, to cut short on the uh, on uh, redundant comments somewhere along the ways uh, along the way they realize that this is addictive and it can be weaponized mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and and monetized and especially monetized mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that uh, you know what saint paul said said love of money is the root of all evil and boy does that show today i mean it mm -hmm. was always true but especially today sure. um and uh I think that healthy mind is under such an assault today by, I mean, uh, even with food, like there's so much sugar in it, like uh, the most basic stuff, yeah. you know, 
and like if you boil your own food especially uh, and this, i think that this is especially true during fasting season uh that uh, maybe we should maybe nudge our fasting habits you know uh, a little further by trying to live on something that we have ourselves ourselves have made and maybe sure. even grown if we are in such a position because uh, uh the powers that be do play on our weak side on our addiction for purely monetary gain maybe what how you could characterize this whole thing and you can agree, you can tell me if you agree both of you agree is you know mm-hmm. strati when we first started this podcast some of the first uh, conversations were on desire one of them was on desire and the other one was on and, and they were also on culture if you remember yeah. remember we had we brought your father in and right. you know we we talked about we talked about orthodox culture and things like that and um you know i mean I, i'm sort of coming to the conclusion that um you know our our culture you know if you want to characterize it as that or our civilization both uh yeah at today are at the point where you know i think we have to we have to I think I think the church has a I don't want I don't want to say obligation because I don't like putting that kind of language on the church but I think the church has a role or you could say the uh, there's a I think there's a yearning for the church to uh, to be the kingdom the beginning of the kingdom here on earth and what that means is not only you know the place where we come for worship though that is central that's 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 the top of the higher the pyramid you could say but also there's there's room for on the lower levels for the church to influence the rest of society and to in in combining the worship of the church with all of the other facets of life whether you're talking about the growing and and the growing of your own food or um or you know um well it was like that all those different kinds of things that it has it you know that it needs to kind of there needs to be this creation of of a oh, renewed or new culture civilization right. i guess well, that, and that takes down another avenue but i mean that's what it was like i mean you know like they didn't do grapes until the transfiguration feast or right. you know they there was the cycles of the church revolved around every facet of life you know, the like, thing is, like, is we've, I think in our modern yeah, times, we've, sure. we've kind of divorced the yeah. church from, Everything from, else. yeah, because it's been in, in survival mode in many respects for the last, you know, 500 like, years. Like for instance, yeah, you know, one thing that we never really, well, at least, you know, those of us who never had to, uh, you know, kill their own food, you know the the, I kill the some cockroaches once in a while. Well, I don't know. You eat you eat cockroaches? Why not? <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut this out anyway. So. <laughs> Ants, cockroaches, okay. mice, rats. Anyway. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but but in all seriousness, um, you know the 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 period of forty days wasn't just about not eating meat, but it yep. was also about not killing anything. Right. Right, they would all. It was all connected to that. uh, It was all connected. It wasn't just ecosystem. I don't go to the McDonald's for hamburgers now for 40, 50 days, but now I don't have to to do anything that they wouldn't have done in the garden. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, yep. we're, we're trying to go back to the garden. Right. You know, and um, and so when you start like looking, looking a little more deep under the surface, you start to realize, oh, wait, we're missing wow, the whole way a of whole, life. There's a whole whole building right underneath us. We didn't even realize was there. Oh, know? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know? That is so true. But uh, I don't know. I think that uh, the Orthodox concept of fasting has the key to so many modern issues. Um, I also think that in the West, it is sort of modern to take, um, uh, to deprive yourself or uh, of something that you love uh, right. uh, during uh, the land. And I think that if we went through all of the things that people deny themselves, we will find a lot of uh common things and uh i think that like sweets smoking and social media are always mm. on the top spot and uh, uh i have <laughs> uh, i have this uh, sort of like little app that informs me when somebody unfriends me on facebook really <laughs> wow yeah but uh, uh i i seem like to get to be informed but what i find it amazing about it because i have like i know 1000 people on my Facebook friend list uh, at the beginning of every Catholic land and uh, Orthodox great land. I think I lose around 100 people because everybody's deactivating their profiles. And, <laughs> and I think it is a great thing because, um, uh, I, but uh, as regards to those things, it would be amazing if we, if we could keep going on, Maybe not without totally social media, but at least trying to not let it rule rule our lives. But you know, I, I used to find that silly personally. Oh, I'm giving up chocolate, but you no, know, I think there is a, a place for it. You know. Yeah. Uh, what I like about that concept, which is sort of, uh, I think, um, you know, a typical Orthodox may simply be content with simply practicing. Uh, Orthodox fasting rules, and uh, uh, he or she would simply abstain from meat and cheese and dairy, but like spent the entire time on the phone. Well, as uh, Catholic uh, Lent would be not be so heavy or at all as regards to food, but they would at least try to remove a big stumbling block from their life. And they think right. that the combination of these two would actually would be pretty amazing. But then again, if you yeah, do not feel that hmm? it depends on the person i think oh of course uh, and yeah. that is a uh, that is one of the good sides to the catholic approach because it is sort of custom made uh, to every person involved but mm -hmm. if you do not feel that void and that this is what i find amazing about orthodox land is that constant emphasis emphasis and overemphasis of prayer because if you do not feel that time right. that you have freed up by teaching instagram or what have you not you're simply you know bouncing in spot you're you're not doing anything uh you're like in a rocking chair you're moving but you're not getting anywhere it so. almost it almost it almost becomes more of a you know essentially a secular self-bettering of your precisely precisely you know, it's, not, it's not a spiritual yeah Again, I, I don't want to bash Catholics. Uh, I, I know that they have a plethora of options to fill up their prayer life. And uh, I do not know how much 
uh, that specific part is emphasized there, but I know I know orthodoxy and boy, is it important. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I keep going back to it, but man, prayer rope is such an amazing tool. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that eventually it would have developed in all possible worlds mm -hmm. because it is so... Uh, I mean, if you think about it, the prayer rope is basically the smartphone before the phone, before the smartphone. Um, it keeps you constantly in touch with God, and it's simply an amazing thing. Beautiful. I am, thank you. Yeah. But uh, there's that... Uh, uh, I keep thinking of this story every so often about this uh, desert father who lived quite a distance from uh, a spring of water. And he would go to fetch the spring uh, water and he would go back to his hut and over and over and over. And he was simply annoyed. And, uh, and the one time he was going uh, to the spring and he thought to himself, you know what, I'm going to leave that old hut of mine and simply build it much closer to the spring. And then as he was going back to his hut, uh, he saw this man like, uh, you know, walking with a bowed head. And he was like, uh, who are you and what are you doing? And he said, I'm your guardian angel and I'm, count and I'm counting your steps. Mm. And then the desert father tore, tore down his hut and built it much further <laughs> from, the, from the spring. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, uh, like... Uh, yeah. Even a uh, most basic thing of getting water can be a blessed endeavor, and we, and we have it like like ten steps from where we're sitting. <laughs> You're sure. so right, and you know, I, I, I it's actually it's funny because I was thinking about this exact thing today when I was trying to go buy something from the store, and on the way I couldn't find my mask, and I had to go to the three of the kiosks to finally find one kiosk that hadn't sold masks. So that I could go to the store who couldn't use my, who couldn't use, whose card reader broke down. I left. I went all the way back home. On the way back home, I found my mask on the floor. I went back up. I got some, you know, the other credit card. I went all the way down. I went back to the store, found five people in line with full baskets. And I thought, you know, I could utilize this and not get angry. <laughs> and I did not get angry. I... <laughs> I, I managed to keep my calm and I believe I'm, I'm better off for it of there course but that reminded me of a different story and I think this one's Russian um, uh, this monk wanted to buy some fish during uh, some fasting season where I, I think that at least for the monks fish was absolutely not allowed so basically he was falling into a sin and he left the monastery you know he was really intent on getting that fish and then as he was approaching the market, uh, he thought to himself, did he bring my prayer rope? What will people say if they see a monastic without a prayer? So he start, starts fumbling uh, through his uh, pockets and he finds a prayer rope. And as he's approaching the market, uh, the horses uh, that were pulling a carriage, they, they go full berserk and they rush past him. Like if he was a step in the front, he, he would simply get crushed. So he gets uh, his fish, he eats it, uh, he goes to bed, and he's woken by his angel. And he says, by the way, I just want to let you know that uh, you did a sin, and you were supposed to die. 
but I gave you that good thought for you to go through your pockets uh, for the prayer rope on the count of many prayers you have offered for others. So, you know, <laughs> maybe Strati, you survived because <laughs> going through your pockets for that mask. Here we that, go. Is, that is also what I tell to myself, you know, when, whenever some of my plan crumbles, it's something, eh, eh, maybe I survived <laughs> because of this. <laughs> maybe we'll never know because I'm here. We'll never, you know, I think that uh, after the last judgment, I'm not, uh, I'm sort of sketchy uh, in the meantime, but after the judgment, there will be a lot of what was, what if, what if, what would have been <laughs> for the first year or so. Right. Very good. Well, well I know it, I know it's late for you guys, so I don't want to keep you up too much longer, but uh, it, it's been a good conversation for sure. Thank you, Father. And it's, it's good to hear a little bit about your, uh, your your life work boyan and uh you know a little bit behind the scenes of all the amazing work that you do oh thank you father you too <laughs> well well you'll get to talk about recycling films eventually <laughs> we, we, well, we, we talk about, about the recycling films on. <laughs> sorry sorry i well i mean it, it's been referenced for sure but it, it hasn't it hasn't been a uh a oh. uh yeah specific topic i've been a topic so close enough you yeah. have been a topic. I have been for like three a, a few topics, yeah. <laughs> oh that wow, is, the controversial yeah. life of Strati. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, it's a riot. Um, <laughs> well, all right, we can do this again some other time as well. Sure thing. Um, it's Sounds been. Great. I really enjoy it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. Thank you.